have a program called 211, which essentially is a free, a confidential referral information helpline that helps people access essential services 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you know, when they are in need in their communities. And so through this new partnership we've launched with the United Way, we will be making free lift rides available to those who are seeking that kind of assistance, whether that might be for non-emergency medical uh, transportation, right, to and from doctor's appointments, to and from job interviews or other employment-related needs for veteran services, for example. So we uh, really are trying to make this service available to those who are in need. Welcome back to Infinite Earth Radio, where we talk with thought leaders and change agents who are transforming the future by building smarter, more sustainable, and more equitable businesses and communities. This is Kate Meese, Executive Director of the Local Government Commission, and our host for a regular monthly series on smart growth and livable communities, where we discuss ways to create equitable communities that provide better housing, transportation, and economic opportunities for all residents. Today as our guest, we are honored to have Sam Ahrens, Director of Sustainability at Lyft. Sam oversees the company's sustainability and climate impact efforts. He plays an essential role in helping Lyft achieve its climate impact goals. Sam comes to Lyft after 10 years at Google, where he developed the company's sustainability efforts as senior lead for energy and infrastructure. Prior to his time with Google, Sam researched wind energy and plug-in vehicles at Williams College and UC Berkeley. Sam, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks, Kate. It's great to be here with you. So Sam, last year, Lyft joined the We Are Still In movement to show continued support for the Paris Climate Accord. And in April, Lyft announced that all Lyft rides are now carbon neutral. Can you talk to us a little bit about what prompted Lyft to take these steps? Absolutely. Well, you know, what's interesting is that environmental responsibility has been part of Lyft's mission ever since the very beginning. And in fact, our co-founders, John Zimmer and Logan Green, created Lyft in part to reduce the negative impacts of transportation, such as pollution and traffic. So from the very beginning, um, you know, Lyft has been committed to these issues and we're striving to address these aspects of transportation. And so when the United States withdrew from the Paris Accord back last year, we stepped up and said that, you know, we are still in to the Paris Accord and we will pledge our commitment to continuing to do what we need to do to help to meet that global commitment. So shortly thereafter, a little bit later in the summer of 2017, we announced our climate impact goals, which were to hit certain milestones of electric autonomous vehicles and reduce emissions. And then we followed up on that uh, earlier this year around Earth Day of 2018 by announcing that all lift rides are now carbon neutral going forward, meaning that they have no net impact on the climate. And I believe from that that statement that a lot of the you know, the majority of the way you're getting to carbon neutral is through offsets. And the statement acknowledged that these actions aren't a full solution, but a step forward, which is a great start. One of the key challenges in meeting our greenhouse gas emission goals is electrification of the transportation sector. And in fact, there's a bill proposed in California that would require transportation network companies like Lyft, to benchmark the percent of passenger miles provided for zero emission vehicles. And so that benchmark would raise and ultimately get to 100% starting in 2030. Can you talk a little bit about what Lyft is doing to increase the percent of passenger miles provided by zero emission vehicles? 
Great question. Yeah. So it's, it's very interesting to see um, what's been going on in Sacramento with this bill, and it's, it's pretty exciting. In terms of what we're doing, we actually recently announced a new version of the Lyft app, which is being rolled out to users as we speak. And in that version, we are actually putting shared rides front and center. So previously, you know, you may have noticed in the previous version of the Lyft app that have to click on a certain menu to kind of see the different options, whether it's Lyft Line, which is our shared product, or regular Lyft, or Lyft Plus, if you have a, a larger group of people. And it turns out that actually many people were not able to discover that there were actually different options for what type of vehicle or what type of ride they could choose. So this new version of the app kind of reimagines how that information is provided to folks. And is much more clear that, in fact, there is a shared option, and you can see very clearly what is the cost difference, and obviously the shared option is cheaper, and what is the time difference. Um, then you can make a decision as to you know which type of ride you prefer. So that's just one example of something that we're doing to help encourage people to share rides and therefore reduce the amount of emissions per passenger mile. That's fantastic. And certainly sharing is going to be critical, getting more people in cars that are on the roads. We know that 90% of the time our, our cars are, are sitting in the driveway. So anything we can do to optimize both the vehicle use and the amount of people in those vehicles is, is a great step in the right direction. I know that LiftLine is highly utilized in the areas where it's offered. I know rolled out, I believe, in, in San Francisco. And by 2016, 50% of users were choosing that option. What is your strategy for expanding those services to other communities? Yeah, well, it's been really exciting to see this product go live and, and to see the, the uptake occur. The numbers that I've seen, I think, are more around 30% of users are currently choosing a shared option in the markets where it's available, which is great, actually. And we have a goal to increase that to 50% of all trips by the end of 2020. So what we've seen so far through the initial kind of data coming in from the piloting of this new version of the app, we're already seeing a 5% uptick in the usage of shared rides uh, compared to the old version of the app. So it's very encouraging. And I think that we will attain this goal, but we'll have to you know, continue to message to folks in a clear way that this option is available and you know, let them know what the benefits are. Can smaller cities, I mean, certainly there's a demand in markets like San Francisco, but can mid-tier cities expect to see a service like LiftLine offered anytime soon in, in those communities? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think we're always expanding our offerings around the country. You know, for example, when we first launched, we were only in San Francisco and then we expanded to LA and many other cities. And of course, now we are we serve upwards of 95% of the US population. So I do expect that we will continue to roll out all of our different products and offerings to users across the country. Great. I want to go back to the electrification conversation because we ended up focusing more on sharing rides. Can you talk about any plans that Lyft may have or any pilots already in place to encourage or incentivize drivers to drive electric vehicles? Well, clearly, the ultimate goal, of course, is to reduce emissions from transportation. And there's a lot of ways you can do that, particularly when the metric that you're kind of thinking about is greenhouse gases per passenger mile. So you can do that by having more people in fewer vehicles, right? So for the same amount of emissions, same amount of miles and therefore the same amount of emissions, you have more people 
getting the service that they're looking for. You can also do that through things like electrification, particularly if the electric vehicles are charging from clean sources of electricity. So that is the goal that we are working towards. And you know, I think that Lyft, like any one company, is not able to completely change the entire transportation sector by itself. But I think we'll be part of the ecosystem of transportation that over time sees an increasing share of electric vehicles on the road as the cost of batteries in particular continues to come down. Speaking of Lyft as part of the the ecosystem, I'm curious to hear about your partnerships with, with transit agencies and how you might respond to the concern that that services like Lyft or Uber, transportation network companies, ride-hailing, may be actually pulling away from transit. And we've seen right, transit ridership fall in most of the large markets in 2017. So there's some concern that one of many factors may include ride-hailing services. So I'm curious how you would respond to that concern and how you are looking to be like you said, just a part of that ecosystem and how that interfaces with transit. We definitely see Lyft as a supporter, as a part of that ecosystem, as you say. And that means helping to solve the first mile, last mile problem, for example. And in fact, in San Francisco, we see one of the most popular routes that people use Lyft for is getting to and from the Caltrain station, which is a little bit outside of downtown. So, you know, it's a 30 to 40 minute walk or a relatively short lift ride, for example. So we are already seeing in a lot of cases that people are using Lyft as a way to get to and from public transportation. And of course, public transportation is an extremely important way for people to commute and to get around town. And it just so happens one of the lowest carbon emission ways to get around town as well. So we we definitely want to support that. And we are supporting that through transit partnerships. I think we have something like 25 partnerships with transit agencies across the country. Just to give one example, um, a a local one uh, here in California, we have a partnership with the Transit Authority of Marin, where they recently opened a new commuter rail line called the Smart Train, which goes from, you know, up in Sonoma and Marin counties down to just north of the Golden Gate Bridge. And our partnership with them allows folks in those counties to get to and from the smart train stations at a subsidized rate, right? So, you know, from people who are coming from places where there might not be public transportation that can easily get them to the train station, well, now, hey, they can take, you know, a lift ride through this partnership and get to the train station. So that's just one example of a partnership that we have that we're really excited about and that we're seeing increasing amounts of users taking advantage of because it is helping them to use the public transportation infrastructure that exists in their community. Thank you. I've heard a number of communities that have similar stories of a partnership with their transit agencies, which can be a great way to extend the reach of transit. Sticking on the public partnership topic, I'm curious how you've engaged in any conversations if you have around curbside management. We've heard from local governments that it has been a struggle to figure out how to adapt to this new circulation pattern with more pickups and drop-offs than traditionally. So, you know, sometimes having cars parked and blocking traffic or interfacing with bicycle and pedestrians in a different way. Have you guys engaged proactively in conversation with local governments about how to tackle some of those issues? You know, actually we have, and it's pretty exciting, right? I mean, in some ways, you know, this is the wild west. Uh, If you think about it, 
you know, services like Lyft didn't even exist five or six years ago. So we're all kind of figuring this out together. And one of those exciting areas where we're all kind of innovating is around curb management, as you say. And we actually have uh, an interesting pilot we've done here in the city of San Francisco, where there's a particular street called Valencia Street, which is in the Mission District, a very popular pedestrian district. And initially, there were a lot of pickups and drop-offs that were happening with, you know, maybe sometimes there's a double parked car, it might be, you know, partially in a bike lane. And, and those things obviously are not good and are restricting the flow of traffic on the street. So uh, the pilot that we did was to build in a feature where essentially the passenger who has requested the lift ride is asked to walk not far, just maybe 100 feet or something to go around the corner onto a side street and for the pickup or drop off to occur on that side street. So it's not, you know, restricting the flow of traffic on the main thoroughfare. So that has actually been a really interesting and successful pilot to help manage curb space in a way that makes more sense for all of the users in the transportation ecosystem. And I expect that we'll, you know, continue to iterate on that and find solutions such as that in other places as well. That's exciting to hear. Speaking of, of all users in the, the transportation system, one concern that, that I have and that I've seen reported on is the adoption rate. So largely we're seeing ride hailing services being adopted by college educated, affluent, young urban Americans. So I'm curious to hear what programs Lyft might have in place or any ideas that you guys have around broadening access to the service. Well, actually, just recently, um, we announced an initiative to expand a program we have called Lift Relief Rides with a commitment of $1.5 million over the next year. And this is an exciting program. So Relief Rides, essentially, um, you can think of as rides for folks who, who are in need of rides and may not be able to have access to them otherwise. So, you know, as an example, with last year's, you know, devastating hurricanes in Florida and Texas, we provided relief rides to folks who needed to find family members, get to the doctor, get around town, you know, in the wake of these devastating incidents. So we've actually now expanded this program with this new commitment in partnership with United Way, where United Ways, they have a program called 211, which essentially is a free a confidential referral information helpline that helps people access essential services 24 hours a day, seven days a week when they are in need and communities. And so through this new partnership we've launched with the United Way, we will be making free lift rides available to those who are seeking that kind of assistance, whether that might be for non-emergency medical uh, transportation, right, to and from doctor's appointments, to and from job interviews, or other employment-related needs for veteran services, for example. So we uh, really are trying to make this service available to those who are in need throughout the 12 cities that are part of this uh, new partnership. What 12 cities are those? They are, let me look at my list here. Atlanta, Austin, Boston, Cleveland, Denver, Houston, Milwaukee, Nashville, Orlando, Philadelphia, San Diego, and San Francisco. That's fantastic. I definitely look forward to tracking that and, and seeing how that goes and whether that can be expanded. I think another promising strategy that seems like it could work well in more rural communities or at least less urban is the partnerships I've seen around Dialoride services. So partnering with a service like Lyft, take on the Dialoride, which can be very, very expensive for public agencies. For example, the city of Monrovia through their Go Monrovia program partnered with Lyft and was able to get their average subsidy down from almost $20 to a little less than $6 per ride. And 
they were able through that partnership to broaden access. So I think they had four to five times as many people a day writing. So do you see that happening in more communities? And do you see that as a potential to perhaps reach some of these markets beyond the really urban centers like DC or New York or San Francisco? So let me just make sure I understand the question. So now in Monrovia specifically, we actually have a partnership with the city of Monrovia to provide rides. Right. I think the model of being able to partner with the local municipality to provide a service that they were providing, but was very expensive to be able to divert some of that money to a program like this that may be able to actually save them money and also be able to expand service for local community members. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, in in some ways, it's sort of a win-win, right? It's good for those who live in what we might call transit deserts, where they don't really have access to reliable or frequent public transportation service or any public transportation service. And so we can, you know, increase access to transportation for those. And of course, all the benefits that come with that. And it can reduce the cost. So I think this partnership in Monrovia, California, is a great example of that, where we've been able to do just that. So, you know, we're saving money for the city and therefore for the residents and, of course, the taxpayers of the city. And we're helping those who need transportation. So, you know, I think that's a great example and one that we hope to replicate elsewhere. So I want to move on and, and ask you about autonomous vehicles. Lyft co-founder John Zimmer predicted that by 2021, the majority of Lyft rides will be provided by autonomous vehicles. Can you talk a little bit about Lyft's strategy for autonomous service and how it aligns with Lyft's sustainability goals? Well, you know, there's actually a whole team that's dedicated to autonomous vehicles here at Lyft, and they are truly the experts on all things AV. Though, of course, what I can say, based upon what I've observed, is that Of course, autonomous self-driving vehicles are a very important part of our business strategy and also a very important part of the cleaner future that we envision. You know, I think there's quite promising that we may be able to have electric autonomous vehicles that can have higher utilization, perhaps, than human-driven vehicles and therefore reduce the number of vehicles on the road and reduce the emissions as well. So it's going to be very exciting to see where this goes. And of course, happy to uh, put you in touch with our autonomous team to ask further questions. So given how, how quickly this field is changing and how disruptive it's been in the mobility sector, but how much opportunity and promise lies within some of these services as well, I'm wondering how communities can be thinking about proactively partnering with companies like Lyft to ensure that these services can align with their larger community climate and sustainability goals? We've taken a very collaborative approach with both policymakers and businesses. On the business side, you know, just to take an example from the autonomous vehicle space, we have a number of partners, for example, Aptiv, which is currently uh, piloting AVs using the Lyft platform in Las Vegas. And on the other other side with policymakers, um, I think that all of the different transit partnerships that we have, including in Monrovia and Marin and and all the other locations, are a great example of a partnership that provides a complementary service to public transportation. So, you know, we welcome any and all partners who want to work with us and and figure out collaborative ways to uh, 
improve people's lives with the best transportation. All right. Well, that's a perfect note to end on because unfortunately we are out of time. Sam, thank you so much for joining us and thank you all for listening. We look forward to seeing you next time on Infinite Earth Radio. Infinite Earth Radio is a podcast produced by Skio in association with the Local Government Commission. To learn more about Skio, Infinite Earth Radio guests, or how you can make a difference in your community, visit our website at infiniteearthradio.com or join us on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Infinite Earth Radio and Twitter by following at Infinite Earth Radio.